Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. morning. Our scripture today is from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. This is a gospel reading, so you're invited to stand as you're able. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to Jenny, too. You always do such a good job with your readings, Jenny. Good job. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. My name's Steve, and uh, I am the senior pastor here at Genesis. And I want to echo what Andrew said. Welcome. Uh, if you're newish, welcome. If you're oldish, welcome. <laughs> um, this is, a, this is a, a good place to be this morning. We're in the second week of Epiphany. And Epiphany is a season of the church calendar where we focus on the life and teachings of Jesus and where we sort of start to remember that it was a new thing that was happening back in the first century. Uh, But we try to bridge that and imagine what new things is Jesus doing now among us. And so we look back and see the pattern of incarnation and Jesus living out his life and teachings. And at first he was really, really popular. And then he was much less popular when everyone left him because he was way too radical. 
Uh, and, um, but it's also, as I said, this moment where we can imagine what new things is God doing now through the work of Jesus in the world. So that's Epiphany. And uh, Jenny and I were sort of joking around about that reading earlier on this morning because there's so much going on there. There's some repetition. And so who is he? He is John the Baptist is who's talking. And what's happening is really sort of fascinating is that his calling was to be a voice of one calling out, crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, right? And so, but in this portion we see that the Lord that he was crying out about and preparing the way for has arrived. And he's sitting there with his disciples telling, John has disciples, so he's telling his disciples, look, there's the Lamb of God, this person that for generations and generations people have been praying for and waiting for, there he is. And then if you notice, though, the first little part of that passage that Jenny read. So John is there with his two disciples. He says, look, there's the Lamb of God. Come to take away the sins of the world. And he says the whole spiel. That's, and they, I, love, I love the phrase. He says, like, this is the one that came after me who ranks before me because he, who ranks higher than me because he came before me. Right? That sounds like one of those clever t- Twitter bios, right? That sort of, you, you, you have to sort of raise your eyebrow, like, what do you even mean? And so it's like, I don't even know if he knows what he fully means, because it's such a mystery. Uh, but what we see is that he's there with his two disciples. He says, look, there's the Lamb of God. And then nothing happens. And then the next day, he's there with his two disciples again. And Jesus comes by again. And he says again, look, there's the Lamb of God. And then the disciples of John, leave John, and go with Jesus, which is really fascinating. So if you're a slow adopter, if it takes you another look to actually make the move, you're in good company here. And I think we miss that, that sometimes it takes time, because this is a huge disruption, if you think about it. For John, it is, because John, his whole calling is to prepare the way. But now that the one has come, have you ever thought about that for John? What's his calling now? That's a major disruption. For the disciples of John, who have been following John, to leave John and follow Jesus is a major disruption. For the people in Jerusalem at that time in surrounding areas, for there to be a person that people are saying this really is the son of God Messiah this is the the anointed one who's going to you know come back as the king of Israel is a huge disruption so uh, let's define disruption what does it mean to be disrupted that's an all play question what's a disruption change thanks Rick yep Ah, Cassandra, this is not my plan. Uh, I heard explosion over here. Linda, was that you? Yep, explosion. Jackson, you were going to say something? The plan is broken. We love it when our plans get broken, right? 
And don't, like, even if you're a seven on the Enneagram and you like, you know, all kinds of options or like a P on the Myers-Briggs, you still have a plan and you don't like it when it gets broken. Amen? Some of you guys are going to fight me on that one, but that's okay. I'm stronger than you. Okay. Uh, so when we look at this, uh, this disruption in the life of Jesus, in the life of John, and in the life of the disciples, we have to ask, what do you do with disruption? How do you see disruption? Now, we've said it's a, you know, it's an interruption in plans, plans are broken, but um, when you sit with a disruption, when you sit with it, what's another way to start to see it? Other than a break in your plan and maybe an explosion, what's another way to see disruption? Say it again. Not in control. Yep, not in control, which can be, I think, at, at first terrifying, but then have you ever reached that point of not being in control where it's like the best thing ever? Right? It, it takes a while to get there. Uh, what else? Some people were saying something up here. A new way is emerging, right? Okay, I like that. Thanks, Michelle. Oh, Steve, yes. I have, well, there's more options. I love that. Jenny, thank you. Something is dying to make room for new life. I like that. Even though, you know, that's exciting and terrible at the same time. It can be both, right? So if you've been through a disruption of your faith, how does that feel? Thanks, Jason. Feels like you're lost. Yep. Thanks, Becky. Terrifying at first. Because why? Because everything you've known to be true, you're suddenly looking at from a different perspective. Yeah. Oh, Nate. You have no way to measure if you're doing it right. And gosh, don't we all just, we all just want to know we're doing it right. You know what I mean? We all just, please, just someone tell me I'm doing it right. Someone tell me I'm not a total failure at this, my faith reconstruction. Oh, it feels out of control, but sometimes there's so much freedom. It can be both, right? Now, for, I'm going to, I'm going to wonder, let's wonder together, for it to move from terrifying to freeing, what do you need, what needs to happen? Regroup. Is that what you said, someone? Regroup. Thanks. Yep. Need to regroup. I, I agree. You need to sort of say, okay, hold on. What else? You need to let go of something. Yep. Sorry, Isaac. You need to submit. It's my son. Okay. Uh, well, some sort of learn to trust again. I like that addition. I like everything and to trust again because it is a learning. Uh, thanks, Joe. 
Sometimes sitting with someone else who's been through a similar thing is, is helpful. It's helpful. Okay, thanks, Rick. You have to take a look. What is it that's doing the disrupting and what is being disruptive? Now, it's scary. Disruptions are always threatening. But when you can sort of breathe in and out in them right now and say, like, okay, what is it and where is the invitation and what do I need in order to breathe into it so that I don't... Because the temptation sometimes is it, a disruption is an interruption from the status quo. And the, the temptation when the tension gets too high is to return to the status quo, right? Um, but if we, when we do that, when we do that, we probably miss the invitation that the disruption has for us. So I think it's really interesting um, that th there's a lot of, um, and I, as I'm looking out, I have the privilege of having sat with many of you and heard your stories. And so I know there are some people in this room whose disruption was a major betrayal from a faith community that you were in, a major betrayal, a hurt. You're trying to put the pieces back together again. And when I meet with some of you who are like that, I'm always shocked that, like, you know, you've, you're actually still, you, you've chosen to be in another faith community. Um, you know, it's like, oh, please, Lord, protect them from me. Um, <laughs> no. Um, and... Others of you are going through significant pain and suffering right now because of a death of a loved one. I know that that's true. Um, because of sickness in your family. I know that that's true. Because of divorce. I know that that's true. Uh, because of adult children who aren't doing as well as you wanted them to be doing. Um, because of dreams that haven't come true. There's lots of reasons why our faith gets disrupted um, sometimes it's even entering into a new relationship with someone that represents what the other side used to be, you know, like the wrong people. Like now I'm in a relationship with the people <laughs> that I didn't ever think were legitimate anything, and now I like them and I respect them, and now what do I do with that? Amen. Maybe it's a question that won't go away for you around some injustice, or, and you just, it's like it's just sitting there nagging at you, and Disruptions in your faith are, are really, um, I think, they're precursors to invitations. When you can see and name the disruption for what it really is, you can step into a new way of thinking, living, believing, or you can ignore it and attempt to return to your normal course of life. That is, those are your options. In this text, I find it so beautiful that we not only see the disruption, we also see uh, an interaction that Jesus has with these disciples that leave John and go to Jesus. And um, so again, the second day, so if you're, in a, if you're a late adopter, be, be at peace, because so were the original disciples. The, uh, so the two disciples heard John say, look, the Lamb of God. I'm in verse 37 of John 1. And then they followed Jesus. And then verse 38, when Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked them, what are you looking for? 
I find this very instructive. When you're in a disruptive period, especially with your faith, and there are answers you used to hold, that used to hold you don't hold you anymore, imagine Jesus turning to you and say, what are you looking for? And imagine you can answer as honestly, like with every honest answer that you have. I'm looking for some firm place to stand, Jesus. For th- I'm, I'm tired of feeling slippery. I'm looking for some answers. I'm looking to know that I'm doing it right. I'm looking, you know, for, or maybe I'm looking for a bigger picture of God. Um, if you sit with that question in the disruption for long enough and imagine Jesus asking you, what are you looking for? Do your shoulders start to go down a little bit? Because it's not, figure it out right now. And then the response is, they say to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? So even they use his technique on him. You know how he always answers a question with another question? They're like, what are we looking for? I have no idea. Where are you staying? Which actually is pretty bold. Because it's, will you invite me into your world? That's what it is. And then Jesus says these three words that I love. Come and see. So they did. And they stayed with him all day, we read. Wonder what they talked about. You know? This is great hummus. Can I have the recipe? (laughs) Where'd you get those olives? Andrew was there, the brother of Simon, later Peter. And he was clearly thinking, oh man, Peter's got to meet this guy. What I love about that whole come and see is that if you're in a place where your faith is disrupted and you feel like you don't know where to stand, the invitation from Jesus to you is, well, what are you looking for? What do you need? And then come and see if I have a little bit of what you're looking for and spend, spend time with me. Spend time with me. Uh, I find that to be absolutely compelling um, and beautiful that that's the invitation. What are you looking for? And come and see. So in Epiphany, uh, I kind of took a look at these four gospel passages right in a row, second week, third week, fourth week, fifth week, and I saw a pattern that the disciples are going to go through that I think many of us are going through that really relates to how we can walk through our own reconstructing our own faith when disruptions happen. Because so many of us are in disruptive periods right now. I just know that that's true. And so I thought, wouldn't it be fun to do four weeks in a row looking at the disciples moving through stage by stage and step by step with Jesus in reconstructing their faith. So I'll give you the pattern now and then we'll go through it week by week, okay? So I think the first movement, and consider this a cycle that happens over and over again in your life, okay? So we all have our belief systems. 
and they're good as far as they go. But if God is really limitless and if God is really I will be what I will be, then guess what? Whatever belief system you have for God, the one thing you can say that's absolutely true about that belief system is that it is limited. God isn't limited, but your belief system of God is incomplete. Can we all just agree with that? It's incomplete. It's as good as far as it goes. It's, it's maybe as good as it's ever been. But the goal is not to get to a point and then stop. If God is limitless, we should want to get to know more and more about God, shouldn't we? I love what Richard Rohr says. I say this all the time. But if we say God is mystery, that doesn't mean God is unknowable. That means God is endlessly knowable. So the work is to see a disruption as an invitation to know more, to experience more of God, more of humanity, more of ourselves. So, we, so when we get this, the, the disruption, it's to sit with it long enough to where it can invite us, it can turn into an invitation. Now, let's do an all play real quick. And I know you've already answered this, but what does it take to sit with disruption so that you can find the invitation? What does it take from you? Strength to be present to the tension. Thanks, Jenny. Time, quiet. Thanks, Linda. Oh, acceptance. And I think of, of self, of your limits, of your, yes. Oh, thanks, Pam. Abandonment of your preconceived notions and your plans. I heard courage, Shannon. I think it takes, oh, go ahead. Self-care. Thanks, Peyton. Someone said it. Thanks, Kara. Find some companions, kind of like what Joe said, maybe some who've been, uh, you know, down the road a little bit longer, maybe some who are right there with you, so that you don't feel so crazy. Because that's the temptation. Where you're going through your faith disruption, you feel, you feel crazy. Um, but to really realize, no, this is just, this is the cycle of anyone who's ever tried to follow God, follow Jesus for a lifetime, you, your system of belief gets revealed for as limited as it really is, and you need to expand it so that you can know more of God, more of self, more of the world. And that's what Jesus, that's what Epiphany is all about, learning to understand who God is through the life and teachings of Jesus. And so next week, we'll really look at uh, the invitation that the disciples get. So next week, it's they are fishing with their, it's their family business, and Jesus says, well, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of people. And so the invitation is not just to believe something different, which is the, you know, disruption, then to leave something that you like, love, enjoy, or maybe don't. Maybe they hated fishing. I don't know. Um, and to go into the unknown. That's what we'll do next week. The third week We'll look at, when we look at the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. And we'll notice that those aren't character qualities that we're supposed to live up to. No one is supposed to try to be more poor in spirit. It's a way of Jesus revealing, like, it, it's, so the third movement 
in faith reconstruction is a new education about what reality really is. So Jesus is just saying in the, in the Beatitudes that, is that listen, the, the kingdom of God is going to flow to and flow through the kind of people that you think it won't. <laughs> That's how it works. It's upside down. So the poor in spirit, people who are at the end of their rope, people who, are, who have said, I've had enough, this has got to stop, I need help, step one of AA, whatever you want to call it, those are the people that God meets, not the people that have it all together, have all the answers. Um, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That, those are the people that the kingdom of God flows to and flows through. So we'll get an education and a new set of values on how to see the world, how to see each other. Then the fourth movement that we'll see in the fourth week is an integration. And this is when Jesus calls the disciples, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, right? Uh, and what it means to really live out your ordinary life in your ordinary job, doing nothing extraordinary other than living your life and being a blessing to the world by the way that you live, act, and love because you are following Jesus into this new way of living and believing. Uh, I think um, that we're going to learn a lot about what it means to um, not just deconstruct and doubt over the next four weeks, but really develop a robust system of believing in something that we really can believe in um, and build a faith that is big enough to handle your current questions. Until what? Until the next disruption, until that system is too small. And then you'll need to do it all over again. And I, I find that hopeful. Maybe that seems like to some of you like, why would I want to do that? That's terrible. Uh, but, but for me, it's like, no, I just know I've been through enough questions, pain, suffering, loss, etc., that I want to keep finding God in those things, and I don't want to give up, and I don't want to fall prey to cynicism and nihilism and doubt. I want to meet my suffering and pain with honest questions so that God can meet me there and say, what are you looking for, Steve? And then when I say, I don't even know, but where are you staying? I can hear a, come and see, from, from Jesus to me. Um, so I hope you will join us for this conversation. I think it's timely for us as a community. Last thing, in John 16, the end of this, so I, we just read from John 1. But I take great comfort in this little thing that Jesus says to his disciples right at the end of his life. He's about to go. He's about to go away. And he says this really beautiful thing. And he says, I still have many, this is John 16, 12, and 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them right now. When the spirit of truth comes, the spirit will guide you into all truth. To me, that feels hopeful because, like, that, that means I can hear what I can hear right now, you know? I can only hear what I can hear. There are things that Jesus wants to teach me that doesn't fit right in here right now. But the Spirit has been sent to mentor us into new truth as we're able to hear it. To me, that's good news. Isn't that good news? 
is gentle, but it also means there is new things that I need to, to hear. Amen? All right, I love you guys. You guys are so courageous in the conversations that you allow yourself to get in. It's so fun. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.